0: Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. As DeAndre said, my name is Alan, and I'm very glad that you're here with us. Last week, Jan started us on a three-week journey called Words of Wisdom. And this title really is a double entendre. It has a couple meanings. First of all, we are talking about the words of wisdom that we can find in Scripture. We are going to what Scripture has to say in terms of how we can communicate well with one another. So we're going to look at the words of wisdom found in Scripture. But then another kind of meaning of this title is that there are different kinds of words. There are words that are painful. There are words that, are, uh, that don't exist, like Whole nother. That, that's a, that. That's that. We the word nother isn't a word, and yet we use we use it, and we even know what it means. There are words that are overused, like 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 like, and then there are words of wisdom, words that we can use in our interactions with one another that can actually make things better, that can actually improve situations. Rather than make them worse. And so that's what we're talking about is words of wisdom. Last week, when Jan launched this message, he talked about the Matthew 18 principle. That when we have an issue with somebody, we are supposed to go directly to that person. We're not supposed to gossip. We're not supposed to talk about it. We're not supposed to talk about it on Facebook and get all of our friends to gather in. And what do you think about what he has done or she has done or whatever? That we are to go directly to that person. Jan talked about whom we are to talk to. Who we're supposed to go directly to that person. And this morning, I want to talk about how we can initiate that conversation, how we can have these conversations with those in our lives. I'm not exaggerating when I say that this week's message and next Sunday's message, these two concepts have been the most significant issues learnings for me in terms of interpersonal relationships. These have been the most powerful, significant significant things I've ever learned in how we can connect well with others, whether it's your spouse or your friend or a coworker or someone who doesn't like you, who may be one of the first people that I had met on the first piece there. But, but, but interaction with one another. I'm not exaggerating when I say this is the most significant thing that I've ever learned Learn, And that's why I'm very excited that you are here today and that we get to talk about this. Hopefully some of these words can fall into the category of words of wisdom as we uh, continue here this morning. Would you bow your head with me? Father, we do uh, come in this place and we want to hear from you. We are thankful that uh, you have provided us guidance in terms of how we are to connect with one another. I pray that uh, you would speak to us, God. I pray that you'd protect us from any any words that are are my words that are not consistent with you and your character. We invite your Holy Spirit to come and speak directly to each and every one of us. In your son's son's name we pray. Amen. A couple weeks ago when I was talking about generosity, I said that money is one of the top two marriage busters in the last few decades here in our country. And the other one is sex, that it is money issues and sex issues that are the most destroying issues of marriage. While statistically that is accurate, I would say that there is something that trumps both of those pieces. There is something that is even a bigger deal uh, than, than any of those issues than anything else, and that issue is communication. If we can communicate well about sex or money or our hopes and dreams and fears and ways that we are hurt, if we can communicate about anything and everything, then we can have healthy relationships. In the process of communication, there are two roles. There's the person who's right and the person who's wrong. Okay. Good, I'm glad you laughed, because if you didn't, we'd have to start from a very different place here today. So I'm glad you you, you understand that. Okay, good, 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 good. There are two different roles in the communication process. There's the sender of the message, and there's the receiver of the message. I'm giving you some visuals to help some of you, you know, make sure you're uh, staying with me, okay? There's the sender of the message and the receiver of the message. Next week, we're gonna talk about our role as receiver and the significant ways that, that we the ways that we can do that well. This morning I want to talk about our role as sender. Our roles when we have to initiate a difficult conversation. When we have decided, we've identified that there is an issue in a relationship, in a friendship, in our marriage, at work, or whatever, we've identified an issue and we are the ones to bring it up. We are the ones to launch, to initiate the conversation. There are ways to do that well, and there are ways to do that poorly. I want to look at a letter this morning that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, I invite you to turn there. It's called the, uh, the book of Ephesians. Uh, Paul is one of the leaders in the church after Jesus died on the cross and ascended into heaven, Paul became one of the leaders and he wrote a number of letters that, are, that make up much of our New Testament. He wrote a letter to a church in the city of, of Ephesus which is in modern-day Turkey, and he wanted to help them out in terms of how they would interact with one another. So I want to look at the very beginning of that chapter, Ephesians chapter 4. In the first verse, Paul says, "'I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received.'" What Jan talked about in the, in the video and the title of the journal that you uh, hopefully have purchased or will purchase because they're only five bucks uh, is, is realize your role in God's story. That's what that means. That's what realize your role in God's story means. To live a life worthy of the calling that you have received that we have a a general calling and a general role that we play. We also have a unique, specific role that you play in the kingdom, in this grand story that God has invited you to be part of. Paul says, I urge you to live that life, to experience that. So then he jumps, and he wants to give words of wisdom. Jump to verse 17. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. This fall, the theme of the journal, the theme of part orange the, for a past number of weeks, and we're going to continue to roll this into weeks into the future, is this idea of wisdom. Wisdom. This idea that we've been talking about that, that part of being a follower of Jesus is that we think differently about what we say and what we do. That it isn't just an event that happens on a Sunday morning and we check a box and, and now I'm a follower of Christ. It is an ongoing journey of, of renewing our minds and thinking differently. So Paul here says that we we are not going to be in the futility of, of of the thinking of those who have not surrendered their lives to Christ. So he wants to help them out. He wants to give them, again, words of wisdom. Verse 25, jump down to verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body one of the roles that we play in the kingdom, if you identify yourself as a follower of Jesus, then one of the roles that you and I play is the role of truth teller. We do not avoid the truth. We do not stuff it down, tuck it under and pretend it doesn't exist. We don't lie and make adjustments to the truth in order to protect ourselves or make ourselves look better. We are truth-tellers. We communicate well. Let me continue, jump down to verse 29. Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Skip to verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. The summary of of these words here, uh, I believe primarily coming from verse 29 there, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. I I, like to sum this whole thing up into four words that are the title of this message here this morning. Seek improvement, not victory. That when we initiate difficult conversations, when we send the message and and get started in a difficult conversation, seek improvement, not victory. What do do we think of, what do you think of when the word confrontation comes to mind? Just, Just imagine in your mind's eye the word confrontation just written out in front of you. What do you think of? What, what, what images come to mind? Yelling, fighting, anger, pain, dishes flying through the air, things different things that may come at you. G- gentlemen, if, if the love of your life says the phrase, we need to talk, does that set you up as, oh, this is going to be a good time? Or does that send you to a place of saying, this is a good time for me to find something else to do? Because it's a natural thing that, that 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 conflict, confrontation, even with the people we love the most, it is something where we where we naturally want to win. We enter into victory. When it comes to confrontation, then it goes, okay, okay, let's get into this, and we'll see who's left standing. But the reality is, if I win and you lose, we lose. This is, a, this is a consistent reality with this thing, which is way different than seeking improvement rather than victory. For example, when we initiate a conversation, a difficult conversation with somebody, and we start it with the phrase, you need to then we're, we're not trying to improve the situation. We're on the attack, and they will be on the defensive. Anytime we just jump in and we say, you need to, da-da-da, that means I'm right, you're wrong, I'm gonna try to push you in, and it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Truth tellers don't do that. Truth tellers don't start off conversations like that. Truth tellers learn communication skills in order to keep someone engaged so that, we can, so that we can not just try to find out who's winning and who's losing, but that we can talk about even the most difficult of topics in ways where we can seek improvement, not just victory, not just me winning over you. Paul, earlier in this chapter, he, he, he gives a phrase that is just so tremendous, so profound. He sets it up in verse 14. He, he basically, in verse 14, is talking about the confidence that we can have. He's actually reflecting on all that he's been talking about in the letter up to this point in chapter four. He's talking about we, we get to have confidence that there is one God and one story that we get to be a part of. We get to have confidence in that so that we're not just flopping around with the, with the wind that blows or tossed around by the waves that are uh, crashing, et cetera. We get to have confidence. And then he says, he sets this all up for verse 14, verse 15, where he says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. I love that phrase, speaking the truth in love. Truth tellers do not aim to win. Truth tellers don't try to crush somebody else. Truth tellers initiate a conversation in a way where we speak the truth in love. First of all, even though these are ancient, ancient words, we speak truth the truth. That means we don't write a big old letter. We don't just write out the soul, We don't write an email. Email is such a terrible way to initiate, to launch into difficult conversations. We certainly don't write a text. My son, uh, a number of years back, was uh, sharing with, with me that there was some drama among his friends, and it was frustrating for him because he wanted to, he wanted to talk with these people that he cares very much about, but all they wanted to do was text through the issue, just text through this is the way of communication, and that's what they're all. Communi- and, and so my son is saying, "Can we just meet one-on-one? Can we just talk?" But, but instead, all parties involved, they just wanted to text. And the reason they, and sometimes we, want to text or write it out is so that we can get a perfectly crafted phrase or sentence. We can perfectly craft it, think about it, run it by some other people. What do you think of this? Is is this the exact phrasing words? And then when it's perfectly crafted, then we press send. And when we do that, we are seeking victory because we're saying, I've written uh, an impenetrable phrase that will win this argument, and I'll show everyone just how right I am instead of seeking improvement. And what happens when we do that, when we write things out and we have these perfect phrases that we send an email, what we miss out on is most of, of communication and that is body language. We send these words out, we write this stuff out, we miss out on body language, on how the person's receiving, we miss out on facial expressions. Emojis are great, but they're vastly inferior. We understand that, right? There's many, we have more and more and more emojis, but they're vastly inferior. Would you rather get a kiss from your honey, an actual human touch kiss, or a picture of a face with a number three for a mouth? <laughs> which, which one? They're, they're significantly different. And yes, it's, these words of Paul are ancient, 2000 years ago, and, and yes, things are way different but but we're still we still need human interaction we need to look eye to eye we need to see what body language is going on speak the truth in love this is still so relevant for us speak the truth in love i i used to think that whenever you're bringing up something difficult again friend coworker whatever the situation is that it's always good to start with something positive. I've heard this multiple times, and maybe you've heard this before. You start with something positive, and then you get to the, to, to the, to the hit or whatever. Then you get to the difficult part of it. And, it. and there's a part of that that makes sense. You start with something positive, and then you move, uh, you move into, the, into the other piece. What I've learned though, time and time again, is that when you have the word but, in a sentence, it, you might as well flush down the toilet everything that came before it. When you have a big butt, you, you, you flush down everything before it that you said. It doesn't matter what you said, how flowery you said, because once you say but, it's gone. And the full emotional weight of your sentence is carried in the piece after the butt. The full emotional weight is all carried in what happens after the but. So if you say, hey, I would love to come to your party, but I can't. Just a simple sentence. All the other person hears is, I can't. I can't come, I won't be there. What if we just flip it? What if we just flip the but? And and we, and we, we could just simply say, I can't come to the party, but I want you to know, I would love to be there. I would love to spend time with you. There's, there's something, all the emotional weight goes on the second half. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth. We, we, we shoot that out. Then let the rest of what you're saying, the emotional weight of what you're saying, be filled with love and encouragement and improvement. A boss might say, I've really appreciated all that you've contributed to this company, but (laughs) I'm gonna have to let you go. Or she could say, I'm gonna have to let you go, but I want you to understand how much I appreciate all that you've done for us here and all the ways that you've contributed. Thank you so much. Now, I'm not saying that that's what Paul meant when he wrote in Ephesians 4, 15, speak the truth in love. I'm not saying he's, whenever you have a but in a sentence, that you flip it around. I'm not claiming that. I'm not saying that whatsoever. What I'm saying is that there are good ways of communicating and there are poor ways of communicating. Many ways where we can learn wisdom from scripture, from life, from interactions, from ways that things have not gone well in the past that we can then communicate in ways that truly seek improvement, that go towards something that is is gonna be helpful rather than just trying to win, rather than seeking victory. Seek improvement, not victory. With the rest of my time, our time here today, I want to look at five suggestions, five very practical ways that we can seek improvement not victory. The first is careful with timing. I remember when I was first learning these skills and I was uh, really trying them out with my wife. That's the number one place where, we wanna, where I want to use these skills. And I had something I wanted to bring up and initiate with my wife and we had about a 20-minute drive to church. We were heading towards a, a worship gathering at church. And I had thought about it. I had prepared. And on the drive, I communicated well. I sought improvement. And over 20 minutes, I kind of walked it all out with great detail, et cetera. And then right when we arrived at the church, I was done. And so I felt relieved. I felt just... Just, just completely just thankful that I got out off my chest, et cetera. And so I, wa- I left the car ready to go inside and worship. And my wife is staggering out of the passenger seat and because she had no opportunity re- to respond, that when we bring something up, make sure there's an opportunity for both to participate in it. It's not just about how well you communicate something, but it's that, it's that both of you can have the opportunity. And the deeper and more painful something is, the more time we wanna make sure we have given ourselves to be able to uh, address this. Number two, little layup, little suggestion here. Careful with absolutes. You've likely heard this before, but absolutes can be very damaging when we come into a situation and we, we say, say things like, you never wash the dishes or you're always late. Absolutes are aggressive and they're unfair and they're usually not true. They're an indicator when we're communicating with somebody because we're upset, we're angry, we're upset and so we're, we feel absolutely angry and so we enter into it and we throw out a, a, an absolute and it, and it is about us trying to squish, squash, beat the other person. It's about seeking victory. It's not about seeking improvement with this. So let me just say with great confidence, never use absolutes. <laughs> you can write that down. Okay. See, I'm glad you guys got that because at 11 o'clock they're just going to go, what? I don't know. They're just going to write it down. I'm not quite kidding. Okay. Okay. And another one, a careful with quantity. Careful with quantity as we, you know, let's say that we're learning skills in terms of how to communicate well and our hearts are in the right place. and We've set up the right time and opportunity to be able to address these things. And then you, you come in and you have a list, a long list. And so you've come in, you're doing it well, but you're coming in with this basic machine gun Of issues. And you're just kind of piling all of these things on, and it can be overwhelming. It will be overwhelming. To whoever you're talking with. That's just a way of saying, I'm not even giving you a chance to breathe. I'm just going to crush you. Again, I'm just trying to win over you, even if it's it's gently done. If you find yourself saying in in a conversation, if you find yourself repeating the phrase, and another thing, you're probably heading in the wrong direction to just say, and another thing. Even if you say it nice, and another thing, love, I just want to, even if you kind of say it in a nice way, we're piling on And it's not fair. It's not helpful. And then the other person eventually would just say, I'm going to avoid you. It's just, we don't have to have a big old conversation about every single issue that's going on. It'll suck the joy out of your friendships. It'll suck the passion out of your marriage. If we've got to talk about everything, choose wisely and address one thing at a time and say here in this setting, in this time, here's the one thing that I'm gonna set it up well and I'm gonna communicate it well, but of all the things going on, this is the one I wanna address here. Careful with quantity. A fourth suggestion is to be careful with the fragile male ego. This is something us men, I'm sorry guys, but we don't like to talk about and most women have a hard time kind of understanding this as, as ruggedly handsome as we may be that we have this, this fragile uh, male ego. I'm just, I'm just so, so, and some of you might not relate to this, but, but I'm just so unpleasantly surprised at the number of times that there'll be some issue for me that seems, that should be insignificant. It should be such a small thing. And yet it, it just happens to touch the, the right nerves. It's an Achilles heel. It's just something where I find myself so frustratingly sensitive to. And it just, and it just I just, I'm, I'm done. I am, I'm destroyed. And I just, I, it's just so difficult. For example, let me just paint kind of the standard picture of, of a man and a woman sitting in the front seat of a car. And, and then she wants to give directional advice in, in that setting. And it could be something as simple as, as simple and normal and correct as, take Ray Road, it's faster. That's, nothing should be wrong with that phrase. And yet for some reason, the way I sometimes hear that phrase is, Alan, I am surprised that you made it into the car without hurting yourself. (laughs) Congratulations for that, but I am going to help you because you are not capable of making such high-level decisions while you're driving, and so I'm going to inform you that Ray Road is absolutely the best way to go, and so just take it and keep your mouth shut. I know that's not what she's saying. That's not at all what she's saying, but that's the way it feels. That's the way I hear it sometimes. It, and, it can, and it can be, it's just, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's not just men. It's just kind of, we have these sensitive topics, sensitive issues. The more we know someone, the more ability we have to crush them. And so when we love someone, we have a relationship with others. It's just, we know some of those buttons to push and we can push them and get victory. We can win, but that is not what is helpful, that is not moving us towards improvement, which is why I'm so thankful for the times that, that my wife will be driving and she will just make a decision to say, we'll go whichever direction he wants. And sometimes she'll, I can see uh, her tongue is bleeding <laughs> at sometimes as we're approaching and she knows the right way to go and she'll just let me go right past it because she's thinking, I don't need to win here. I just need improvement in our relationship. That's what I'm seeking. I'm so thankful for that. Seek improvement, not victory. Okay, so the final, the final thing is careful with character attacks. Careful with character attacks. When we bring something up with someone we care about and we want things to go well, we can address behavior, not character. So let me give you an example. It, it's fair to say hey, I'd like to talk about something you said last night, but it's not fair to say you're a thoughtless jerk. Do you see the difference? There's, a, there's like a subtle little difference between those two things. Or you can say, hey, um, it seems that our spending recently has not been in line with what we've talked about in terms of how we're going to not spend money we don't have. Or we could say, you're an irresponsible child. Again, subtle, subtle differences here. (laughs) This This is so important. We can address behavior, but we're not supposed to attack character. Jesus says, and this is so often misquoted, in Matthew chapter seven in the first verse, do not judge or you too will be judged. And I believe Jesus is talking about Addressing someone's value, judging someone's value, and, 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 and attacking someone's character. It is not our place, it is not our role to, to put somebody in a category to label somebody. Judge not, Jesus says. And Paul says in another letter, Galatians chapter six, he says there are times when we are to restore someone Gently restoring someone gently. There are times when we are to address behavior that when we read Matthew chapter 7, do not judge, it doesn't mean we're not allowed to bring things up. We're not allowed to address things with friends, with, with observations that we see in other people's lives. We are to restore someone gently, not to attack their character. That, that when, we, when we attack someone's character, we are seeking victory. But when we try to restore someone gently, we are seeking improvement. And those are two very different things. Seek improvement, not victory. This is so powerful. And it can show up in in a thousand different ways, different phrases and ways that we can use. I've just thrown out a few little examples here, but there's so many different ways that we can think differently about how we address difficult topics. This is so powerful. But unfortunately, I have to close with some bad news. This, this I believe very strongly, this can change your relationships and therefore change your life. But. <laughs> does that nullify everything I just said? However. There we go. We cannot expect this from others. Here's this is the downside that that um, that there are, that this is not a reciprocal treatment that we can expect from others. There are times when we can expect reciprocal treatment. If I'm going to eat cheesecake at the Cheesecake Factory with you, and and you say, hey, can I have a bite of your uh, Godiva cheesecake? And you reach over, and you take an enormous piece, way, way bigger than than what would be expected. And you take that, and you say, oh, that's delicious. And I say, hey, can I have a piece of yours? You can fully expect, I'm going to take a Decent-sized piece out of your cheesecake. I can, we don't have to have a big old conversation with that. There is a reciprocal treatment that's going to happen. Try to stop me. That's basically how that situation is <laughs> going to go down. But when it comes to communication, when it comes to bringing these things up, all we have control over is us. We don't have control over how someone receives it, how someone responds to it. We don't have control over how someone else brings up an issue with us. We don't have control. If somebody starts with a you need to or somebody says and another thing and another thing to us, we don't have control over that. We don't dictate. We don't get to affect and change how other people communicate. All we have control over is us. A truth teller is to have the skill of communicating well, but we don't get to expect the same treatment from others. It's not fair, I know that, but who ever said that this journey was supposed to be fair? Who who can look at the story of Jesus and say that it was fair? No one ever said this thing was supposed to be fair, but it's vital, vital, this could change your relationships which again is why I'm so excited that you're here today. Next week, we're gonna talk about how to receive information, whether it's communicated well or not to us. We're gonna talk about a powerful way to receive even the most difficult of communication from others, and I hope that you'll join us next Sunday. I wanna pray with you, and then um the band's gonna lead us in one final song. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you that this issue of communication is not a 21st century issue. Yes, the, the pathways, the, the modes of communication have, have changed so dramatically in our lifetime, but the need for us to communicate well, it has remained unchanged for thousands of years. And so these words that, that you have protected and provided for us in Scripture, they are still relevant, so relevant. God, help us to speak the truth in love, that we would not avoid issues, but that we would truly seek improvement, not victory in our relationships. God, we give you the glory as we watch things change, as we walk, watch hearts change, because we communicate well. May we represent you well, so that you'd be proud of us in the ways that we talk to your daughters and your sons that we get to spend life with. In your son's name I pray. Amen.